welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for today or tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday or Monday or Wednesday or Thursday or Saturday or Friday. Um, now, joining me today or tonight or this morning, because after all it's your podcast, is a gentleman who has um, found his little niche within the board game kind of content creation type of space. And... Um, Board games are lovely, board games are wonderful, mechanics are lovely, mechanics are wonderful, but one thing that people always kind of grasp onto is is the art side of the business. So in a kind of an Oliver Twist twist to it, a gentleman by the name of Ross Connell from More Games Please has been concentrating on the art side of board games, which is a very, very good thing to be concentrating on. So... um, we had a little conflab, a little conversation, and I'm delighted to say that he's joined us today for a little chat. So, hey, Ross. Oh, hi. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello. It's great to be here. <laughs> it's 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 you know it's really good to it's really good to have you on. As I say, we've um, I've been uh, kind of admiring your work for a little while, and I thought it'd be nice to kind of have you come on and and we can find out a little bit more about the the man behind the canvas of the website of the art of the board game that's a beautiful metaphor i imagine i imagine with time uh that could be improved upon but you know that's it's pretty good for now (laughs) that's as good as you're gonna get (laughs) (laughs) yeah story of my life it's a story of my life it's fine so how are you doing anyway you well i'm uh i'm a little hungover i've i've told you already but i drank uh a pint, a pint of chocolate milk to get myself fired up for this podcast, and it's made me feel a little ill. Uh, so I'm having a cup of tea now to, ba- to balance that out. More liquid can only be good. Um, be. Yeah, just get just, just yeah. Down your oh, well, the show. that's next. That's next. You feel like that? Oh, where's my crayons? I'm just yeah. yeah. I'm just a, a melting pot of chocolate and milk and and tea and caffeine. <laughs> you're gonna get 37 minutes in. You're gonna need to go to the little person. Something room. something's gonna happen. <laughs> something's, something's gonna, gonna happen. Something's gonna give. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what did you do for the last kind of 14 minutes of Weird Not Wizards? It's like, well, I was hoping he'd hurry up. Just waiting. Just waiting <laughs> it, for Ross to do his business. Then it just happened. Well, he could be singing a little song. You know, there's all kinds <laughs> exactly. of. Exactly. S- song and dance routines, I'm sure you've got saved. No, uh, absolutely. It's going to be... <laughs> Ross is on a podcast. This is how I do podcasts, people. Wants to go to the toilet. <laughs> Too late. It's like, if if you recall when you were when you were in your younger years and it was sports day, as soon yeah. as you as soon as you got to do the event, need the toilet. Immediately need the toilet. That's Immediately. Immediately. So it doesn't matter. Drinking eight pints of chocolate milk, I still would have needed the toilet straight away. So, if, if we had kind of scheduled the podcast and you'd gone to the toilet for several times before you'd gone to the podcast, wouldn't you'd help. automatically need yeah. to go to the podcast. I'd become, I'd become dehydrated, probably. If I'd... It would become one of these things where you'd say, well, why didn't you go at break time? Because mm. I didn't need... You're didn't, a teacher. Yeah, you didn't... should know these things. Yeah. You think if you would like be dealing with kids... Yeah. That'd be one of the things. How long have you been teaching? How many children have you had in classes? Come on. Exactly. I know. I know. Um, but it, no, it's really, really good to have you in, have you on the show. Um, but what we like to do, I mean, guess first of all, we say hello to all the beautiful people out there. 
so so many beautiful people i'm i just i I cast my eyes around the room and i'm I'm kind of um, i'm kind of having a look away (laughs) you know you're getting shy i am it's kind of like all these eyes on me uh, well, you are the you are you are the star bit. of the show, in all honesty. I'm, so <laughs> that's not that's not true. I'm fine with it. I'm fine. I, with I, it. I, I'm not fine with it because if it wasn't for you, then the show wouldn't exist. It's as simple as really. That, it's made know. it to 179 episodes. Yeah, but you see, this is without me. It's 179 mm. practices, all building up to this, all building up to this pinnacle of what is going to be podcasting goal. People are going to share this episode about and say that's how you do it. They're going to say something. They potentially will. Let's mm. face it. It's all going to be good. But thank you for joining us, everybody out there. Um, <laughs> the reason that we do this is because <laughs> somebody needs to stop me. You know, I'm I'm uncontained. You know, I can't. I'm I can't do way. it. I'm going to hit two hundred by June. I just know it. I just like, need to stop. You know, it's just like, what are you doing? Behave. Um, there's no point. I mean, it's like you can say, oh, we don't think there's enough podcasts about board games, but there are plenty as now because I've done so many of them. It's just stupid. And the other reason that we do this is because, um, I think as I said, we like to have designers. We like to have developers. We've spoken to we've spoken to content creators. I mean, we've had people involved in logistics. We've had manufacturers on. But um, as I said, Ross is doing something quite elegant, and and very very interesting with the hobby, which is to kind of look at the the kind of the art side of the things. So um, we're going to have a little chat and find out a little bit about his history, and um, then we're going to find out a lot a lot more about um, more games, please. So we're going to have a we'll have a peek back at the blank canvas of the past, which will have a look at the watercolor paints of the present before we, um, I guess, dash off into the masterpiece of the future. I'm looking, I'm, well, now you've described it like that, I'm really looking forward to looking forward to it. <laughs> Can I go? You're just like that, please let it be over. Please. <laughs> why, please why, why over. just take me back to that chocolate milk time. That was like, you know, <laughs> if I could rewind it all before the chocolate milk, then, then I think everything would be okay. I can't believe that, you know, having a lot to drink and then being hungover and the one thing that floors you is like a lactose-based, cocoa-based drink. That's it. Give me alcohol. I'm fine. I can I can drink a lot of alcohol, but then give me one drink of chocolate milk. Woo! Floored. That's it. Just wrecked. Done. Absolutely wrecked. Done. Absolutely wrecked. Um, how'd you get into the hobby? That's a nice question. Um, it's the first question, usually. Oh, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> well I'll answer it then. Um, That's fine. Thank you very much. So, uh, the hobby, as in playing the games, well, I've always liked playing games. That's probably true of many people you've spoken to. So, that's probably not really that interesting of a remark to make. But in terms of modern board games, that's kind of a lot more recently, which is also true of a lot of people. Um, There was a friend of mine um, who doesn't live in Nottingham, where I live anymore, but we used to meet up as a group of people and he always used to bring a different bag of games along with him and he'd just be like what do you feel like playing tonight i've got this 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 and this and that was i've always been the kind of person that i'm i don't play one game a hundred times i'm i want to try everything yeah i i i i'm there for like the experience what's it's kind of uh if you imagine it that you listen to a lot of music 
and you're constantly searching for that new sound. And I'm a bit like that with board games. I'm always going, how is this experience different to one I've had previously? Well, I want to try yeah. it. If I see a new game that comes out and I'm like, I've never played anything like that. that and then it appeals to me slightly more. There's a bit of a pull to it because I'm curious. Uh, so when he moved away, then I was kind of in the decision where I thought, well, how can I continue this thing? How can I introduce my friends to games? My friends, um, generally speaking, never played any games. And so then I just decided to start like curating and collecting my own little thing and slowly suck them into this, you know, world of learning rules constantly. And, and I'm the boss and I dictate how we play a game i get the rules wrong loads but i don't tell them that so mm. that's that's basically how, how i got into it did you um with you getting a kind of a head start did you kind of skip some of the kind of classics did you or did you kind of still go out and get your kind of your carcassons and catans and your collection or did you say well i'm gonna i'm gonna go straight into something a bit more meatier because you had an experienced palette yeah i think i was lucky that i'd played a lot of different stuff so i didn't get Catan or Carcassonne, Carcassonne uh, and we can kind of skip back to this later, but I only bought Carcassonne like three weeks ago because I was going on holiday to Carcassonne. That was the... Right? Oh, sh- sh- shit. Don't tell... Oh, did I say that? No, I mean, I've owned it like 10, 20 years. I uh, bought Carcassonne in 1973 originally, and I've been a lifelong fan. I heard it got passed down from uh, family to family member, and the original copy of Carcassonne that you had was originally owned by your great, is it your great uncle? Yeah. Who that, that, brought that. it back from an expedition um, into southern France, I believe, and it's been in the family since about 1893. That's, yeah, that's completely true. And uh, I thought I would go on holiday to Carcassonne to go to the original site. Uh, where my grandfather um, found the the first copy of the game, uh, and that and that that's another story. How do, I mean, see when you were there, um, how did you feel with the strong kind of family collection, the c- kind of connection with it? Did you kind of try and retrace the steps that your relative took as they were digging up their own copy of Carcassonne from the Carcassonne field? I mean, one of the things that I did is I. Um, I grabbed as many strangers and passers-by as I could, and I just mm-hmm. looked. I just looked into their eyes to see if they would recognise, you know, the family resemblance of my famous grandfather. Um, and after a couple of days in prison, uh, I kind of like had the opportunity to go back out again, and 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 then I had to leave. I had to leave, and I, and I can't go back. I, I mean, I know that's that you um, you've grown a beard. Since then, I mean, was that to potentially kind of escape the law, or have you? I mean, I, I like to change my appearance dramatically um, a re- on a regular basis. What are we talking about? Was this, com- was this conversation going. gone? <laughs> gone? I mean, we uh, could do a whole hour like this, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if anyone will be able to stick with it. It's it's just let them go because I think we had them. <laughs> There'd be somebody yeah. genuinely. Someone would be like, "Oh my god." He went to the fields of Carcassonne and he dug up his own copy fresh. Because they come, they don't obviously, the original ones don't come in cellophane. I, oh, I, I picked mine straight from the vine. That's that's I how I got mine. To, it's wine country. Of, you, you might not realise that, but it's wine country. So, you know, straight from the vine's the way to get it. 
But what people don't know is you actually need to peel the skin off your carcass on before mm. you can and play it for the and first the, and, time. And there's blood under there as well. It's quite messy. Like it's, it's, quite... it's quite hot. Well, it's not... Mm. I think that's what they call it. They call. I think there's something French, which means the blood board game or something like that, which we need to get translations. But yeah, when you peel the the skin off the carcass on off the vine, there is a kind of a ready substance mm. that you need to clear off and it does... It's a bit like a blood orange. That's what I was going to say. That's Mm. actually what I got written down in the show notes. Um, So it's good to know you did your research. I've spent weeks um, thinking about doing some. Um, When you, but I mean, were you jumping into heavier stuff then, kind of straight away, or were you? You said you kind of like you kind of like picking where you're kind of going with your games based on something different, something yeah, new. So are, you, are you more of an experienced type person than uh, I want to get this edition of this game because I know it's meant to be good? Yeah, so it has to... The theme has to appeal to me or there has to be something about it because I, I kind of... I'm one of these people that if you buy a new TV, I'll spend like three weeks doing research... And then I'll then I'll buy one, and they're all the same. But I'll spend three weeks looking at it. So I like the first thing I did when I started making my own collection is I went heavy into board game geek, just like just spend hours and hours and hours. When I was at work, mainly, shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, but like on board That's game okay. geek, just like going through all these different games, thinking, oh, what what do I, what have I what have I enjoyed in the past, and what would I be interested in playing? And I guess I was a little bit naive when I first started making my own collection because like I say most people I know had never played a modern board game um, before I started introducing them to them so I was just picking all kinds of wacky stuff going oh well I'll get I mean it's not wacky but I'd go I'll get like Power Grid for example because that's a brilliant game but then some of my friends can't do simple addition and that's no slight on them it's just numbers aren't their friends numbers aren't everyone's friends so does that make it does that make it easy to borrow money off them Oh, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll be like, can I borrow 500 pounds? And I give them 50p back. And I'm just like, and then you say got the decimal each, point wrong. Each, each of the edges are worth 100 pounds. So that means, <laughs> yeah. that means I've given you back 700 pounds. I think we should, I think we should talk more. about this off air. I feel like there's a lot of advice you could give me. <laughs> it's like you're trying to make me out like I'm some kind of uh, fraud, which is true. Mastermind, um, I, I was going for. You know, if you're saying, well, I bought potential weeks ago, potential business partner, potential business partner, who could be like dirty rotten? We could be dirty rotten meeples. Dirty rotten meeples, yeah. Let's go for it. There we go. You know, I don't know who, which one. Of I us can be, I can be for. Michael Caine, and you can be I Steve knew you Martin. Were do that. Yeah, well, I, you brought that on yourself. I knew you were going to do. You're that. the simpleton. Let's be honest. That is that is very very true. I'm just the one that kind of like just asks the questions. It's everybody that has to come up with the complicated answers. Which well, my an- my well. answers will be um, very simple. We don't have to worry about any complexity from my <laughs> side of things. Are the I mean are the games in the collect? So are you the type of person? Do you do you do you have a precious game collection? Are you the type of person that once you get to a certain capacity and number of games that you have, you're quite happy to kind of let games go? sell them on, get rid of them because you've kind of experienced it, you've had that you've had that buzz, you've had that play around, or are you are you mean are you a hoarder? Is there a big panel of board games behind you right now, for instance? Oh well weirdly enough, I'm not even sat in a room with board games in. That's not 
No, and I know whenever you speak about board games, you you really meant to be at least within several foot of a board game, because the knowledge bleeds into you through the skin just by proximity. But the board games are actually in a separate room. I've heard that's how Rodney Smith learns games. Yeah, he just touches his hand on the top of the box. He and has. That's why yeah, he's so good at teaching them because it, he's. It's almost like a Zen Buddhism way of learning board games. He has a compendium of a compendium of games, just like with his toes just tickling the the little pieces inside. It and and sometimes they clean the dead fish off the the dead skin off his feet with little <laughs> That's <laughs> too far. We can't do this with Rodney Smith. He can't. It's not allowed. People will come after us. I know. People will accept you buying Carcassonne only three weeks ago and never played it yet. Mm. They won't accept Rodney Smith. Anybody's saying wrong because we all like Rodney Smith. He's probably the nicest person ever, which makes me think that if you cross him, it's just bad news. It's bad news all (laughs) around. You're in a lot of trouble. What did you do? Disrespect. You're you're in a lot of trouble talking about Meeple's eating the dead skin off his feet. I don't know. <laughs> don't know what kind of a rumour that is to start about the man. That's fine, I could edit that out. I could edit it, so you see it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's too late now, yeah. You you frame me. See what I mean? Criminal mastermind. There we go. It's not criminal mastermind. Everybody's like that. You're you're just really nice. Uh no, I'm not. I'm really, really, really nice. I'm learning in a very short space of time that you're uh an abominable human. <laughs> I am indeed. I'm a, you know, it's just a, a wonderful. And I've never heard that word attached to anything but snowman before. <laughs> but I think it's, it's it's apt for you. So just remember, never ever, if I offer you a yellow so- lemon sorbet ice cream. <laughs> oh my god! Just to say, just to say no. You know, I will bear. I will bear that in mind. <laughs> um. So, again, okay. So, going on the art side, oh, yeah. we're not going to go into the whole thing, are there games in you, your collection which you have picked up solely because of the art, even though they're awful? No, not really. Um, but I would say, for example, I've, I own The Bloody Inn, which I yeah. think is a solid game, if unremarkable to an extent. I think I enjoy the idea of it more than I enjoy playing it. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's like an engine building game, and if anyone know, doesn't know what the bloody in, it's a bit Sweeney Toddish. You're some French family in the eighteen hundreds, I think. You're running an inn in a kind of rural area, and you're greedy, and you decide that you're going to start bumping off your guests and you're going to rob them. And so you have every day. These are the rounds. You're inviting new guests into your property and you're bribing them. You're paying them money to build new, use their houses to bury corpses in and stuff. And, and, you, and you're killing them as well and you're robbing the bodies. And that, like, what a wonderfully macabre theme uh, that is. And there's uh, the guy that did <laughs> art for that, Webson Santiago, really great artist, love his style. And so when I saw that, that was kind of a game where I was like, well, I need to buy that game. And... It was one of those games that I own, and I've I've played it quite a few times, but it never really excites me as much as the idea of it excites me, um, which I suppose is maybe true of a lot of games, but the theme's so good, and I suppose it's hard for the mechanics to live up to that. It's like Terraforming Mars for me. The theme on Terraforming Mars was good. Everything else was rubbish. <laughs> 
Okay, all right. Well, that is a good. I question. can tell you're not a reviewer. No, I mean leading into terraforming Mars. Yeah. I mean, somebody that does appreciate the art type of thing. Mm. Well, I mean, what do you think of the? I mean, can can an art can bad art on a game ruin a game, or can good art on a game make a bad game kind of better? I mean, you mentioned the bloody end, so it sounds like yeah. you're intrigued by the art. The art has intrigued you enough to keep you coming back to it on a regular basis. Hmm. On the same time, do you think that bad art can have a negative effect on how people will perceive a game and maybe be more negative on it because it doesn't look as fantastic as maybe, you know, other other games out there? For me, and I'm an incredibly shallow human being, so if a game is hideous, it it makes me pause for thought. It makes me, I mean, obviously you got to look at it from like a budgetary perspective. Maybe they just didn't have the money for the artwork or something like that. But it always makes me think like, was the confidence not quite there to invest in the art? It makes me think, why, why does this game look so ugly? Um, and I think maybe it's not a very good game, but certainly it's like anything that can be, there can be, you know, Things that look rubbish, but are still yeah. highly enjoyable. But your initial opinion of it is always going to be tainted a little bit by it. It looks like shit, and that's it. Just and that's that's how it is. I own games, and I never really like um, specifically naming games for having bad art because it's subjective, and one person's you know Mona Lisa is another person's. That woman who. Uh, rubbed the face off that painting and she drew a new face on it. Do you remember that in the news a few years ago? Oh, that was so funny. And I love that painting infinitely more than I like the original. So, you know... Do you know what I always appreciate? Do you know what I always like? When my son brings home his latest um, picture Mm. and he's got, like... He's he's really good. He's doing... He started drawing fingernails when he's drawing stuff. And I look at that and I says, I just love the freedom to be able to just draw... Fingernails all day because I draw, I draw, I, I I do art, but I'm very precise in my lines. I mean, I draw people as other characters, and there's going to be a spate of kind of new drawings that are going to be coming out over the next kind of six months. But um, I do very very detailed drawings, and sometimes I I kind of look forward to the freedom of being able just to draw for the sake of it without having to worry about the form and stuff like that. Yeah, and so I'm quite envious of of that kind of that kind of ability um but art's expensive though ross i know i mean some of these games that okay i mean going back to terraforming mars i don't think it realized what it was going to be like when it was originally launched and 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 how much it was going to capture kind of people's imagination and you run with what you run with at the time and then if you're focused on the mechanics of a game then sometimes the art will slip to the side. I suppose it depends where you're coming. You know, I suppose it depends what side you're coming. You're kind of coming from with it. I mean, there's certainly ways for people to kind of um, do things in like a, a more simplistic way, but with good graphic design. I don't know. It's difficult, and I know people are, have you know issues if you're an independent publisher. You've got to you've got to kind of draw the line somewhere. You can't. It's not like you've got the budget to have this incredible box art and you know all this incredible card art. If you've got like three hundred cards in your game and you need individual illustrations for them all. That's a lot of time and money for all of that. Yeah, it is. But yeah. 
but you know, if if we're talking about it from just a personal preference, then obviously my preference would always be that a game would look nice. Um, mm-hmm. I just understand, and there's games in my, I have plenty of games in my collection that that I would say the artwork is middling to poor, mm-hmm. but the games are still good games, so I can appreciate them. And I haven't actually really, weirdly enough, bought a huge amount of games or that many games based solely on the art because I don't buy games to sit on the shelf and look at. I buy them to play. So I wish I could. I wish I had the money to to have this beautiful collection of things that were just more aesthetically pleasing, maybe. But but for me, I, it, I, I buy games because I want to play them. However, I understand, and one of the reasons why I cover it on my website is I understand that there is a lot of incredible artwork being created uh, and being put into board games that should be covered. It doesn't necessarily mean it, they'll make the, those games will make it into my collection because maybe the games uh, aren't going to be ones that I enjoy, but I can certainly appreciate that aspect of it. Yeah. Um. What about, do you think art suffers from being an industry where people are expected to do large amounts of stuff for the square root of almost nothing? I mean, that's certainly a a factor. Uh, I mean, you know, the profit margins are thin. uh, And most people who self-publish are going to lose money a lot of the time. So, you know, how much can you invest so there's a lot of uh there's uh, there's a lot that i see that people find artists on sites like art station or deviant yeah. art or you know so but often it could be people who've never done commercial art before they've never done professional art before uh because their rates will be lower they're just as talented but uh their rates will be lower and it's, it's you know like any industry sometimes there's the it's good exposure um i i my partner uh she's an artist uh which is, I like before I started doing my website, I was like basically trying to bully her into doing her own art blog. And she didn't yeah. want to. Artists generally don't naturally like to talk about their own work a lot. Like anyone no. who creates things, you don't want to bang on about yourself. Unlike professional gobshites like me, it's it's um it's it's easier for me to talk about what other people do because it's not my work. I can I can. Ob- uh, objectively say this is excellent work and i don't yeah. fe- i don't feel like a like a like a dick for saying it because i didn't make it if if i drew a picture and then spent all day telling everyone how amazing my picture was i would probably i probably wouldn't feel great about that however you need to do that a bit if anyone's going to know that you drew the picture in the first place um but when i used to talk to her about her doing a blog in regards to it and that and that that was one of the reasons why I started my blog because I couldn't really find you said you know I couldn't really find anything online about artists. There are articles and interviews that exist. There's another website called Greenhook Games. It's been yeah. going longer than me. Uh, their output is a little slower than mine. Um, so I would say do like four interviews a month, and they might do one a month or less. Um, so I guess. It's why I'm more visible than they are, but they've certainly had some great interviews on there, and they've been around longer than me. I didn't know about them when I started, but I know about yeah. them now. Um, and there's other websites that'll do the occasional interview, but like I'm specifically, that's my that's my thing. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, um, I think that's one thing that the board game kind of space is moving into is um, 
more kind of critiquing about and board games are getting to that age where you can have kind of have kind of look backs on how the hobby and how the industry has changed and you can also focus on certain aspects mm. of the design of a game and i think that's the kind of the next level that we're in because you can only run with is a game any good is it worth buying and i think people are more interested in a kind of more curated view of critique as in they're looking for maybe people like yourself who'll concentrate on the art they'll be looking at people who will study the mechanics of games and how they've progressed and how they've evolved and you know um the kind of the rules versions and things like that Every, you know everything along those lines i think we're kind of entering into that second phase with kind of people like yourself kind of bringing this to the forefront and saying yes let's you know let's talk about the kind of the the artists them you know the artists themselves because um and that was one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you is because it is kind of um interesting to fight i mean how easy is how easy is it for you to get kind of artists to mm-hmm. speak to because I, i'll be honest with you i you know, I've looked around. I mean, I've always uh, wanted uh, Quan Chai, who does mm-hmm. a lot of work for kind of Elsa Games. Amazing you know, artist. Uh, amazing artist. He is, a, he is an amazing artist, and I've always wanted him on the show just to have a chat because the stuff that he produces, it just, I love it. I'd always, that's the kind of thing. I don't have the, I guess, the skill that he has just to take it and say, I'm going to do this shape and then I'm going to leave it alone. Mm. I'm the type of person that tinkers away at something, especially if I'm drawing. And then I'll go back to it. And then I eventually have to actually go and lock the drawing away somewhere to stop me from... <laughs> really? From kind of, yeah, I'm really that bad. I will, like... You know, if I'm sending something to somebody, I will be going through and shading it slightly, like, two seconds before I'm sticking it in an envelope and sending it off to somebody. It's absolutely really ridiculous. And sometimes I just need to take the work of art... Has to be physically s- removed from you. And put it to away stop. to stop yeah. me from... Because it's, it's not that. It's just that... When you're making something and you know other people are going to be consuming it, I get very kind of wanting to make sure it's kind of the best version of that. Which is item understandable. That it will be because it's not going to exist in anywhere else. So you question how easy is it to get these people to speak yeah. to me? Also, this when I first started my website, my primary concern was who the hell's going to talk to me? I'm like, so. I started my in my Instagram was the first thing I started and I started yeah. that March last year. So like as far as like all of this goes, I'm very new to all of it. It feels in some weird way because time is this strange thing that it feels like I've been doing it a while now, but I haven't really. So I started the Instagram account in March and um I decided I was gonna go to the UK Board Game Expo mm-hmm. and I thought, well, I'll go along. A friend of mine, he was playing the Netrunner tournament, and I thought, well, I'll I'll apply for a press pass because <laughs> why not? You don't ask, you don't get. And <laughs> and I thought, what on the form when I had to fill it out? Oh my goodness! I know, right? Here we go. This is behind the scenes. The, on the form, it said, how many Facebook followers have you got? And I thought, I don't have a Facebook page. And then it was like, how many Twitter followers have you got? And I was like, oh, I don't have a don't have a Twitter. So I made them, obviously. And then I was like... Um, <laughs> they must have been looking at the form and saying, why is he written 10 twice in Roman numerals? <laughs> and um, I, I'd i been bullying my partner about doing a, a blog on art. 
And I, I, I that because that's something I, I'm really interested in. When I see games that look good, I'm like, oh, who's the artist? Oh, I'll look into that. And then I couldn't find any websites. Couldn't really find many interviews stuff like that. So I thought I just because I, I'm very impulsive, I bought a domain and bought hosting and I bought the website. But when I went to the UK board game, so I didn't have a website. I had a business card because why not? Um, I didn't. I didn't even hand any out because I'm an, I'm an idiot. But I went to it and I was just talking to people. Just I was like, oh, talk, talk to people about the art. Because I got this press pass and I was kind of like, I'm not press. I'm just some dickhead that's walking around with a lanyard. Um, but that was the thing that I was interested in talking to people. I stu- my background is I, I studied film at university and I always liked documentary stuff. That was always the thing I was interested in. So like for my like dissertation, I did like a documentary on the independent music scene in the city I was living in. And I, I interviewed artists and people who had their own record labels and people who had recording studios and stuff like that. Because I, like, I respect anyone who does a thing and is very committed to it. And there's a level of enthusiasm and talent involved, or just enthusiasm, you know, sometimes. But um, I, I just kind of made this website, and then when I was walking around talking to people, some people gave me some business cards, and I thought, well, I'll just send out some emails then, and we'll see. Yeah. But I had very low expectations. Like genuinely, I honestly didn't really expect to get because I was just like, I've had a, a, an Instagram for three months, and I've got a website that doesn't even exist, and I'm emailing people <laughs> saying. Hi, I don't have a website, but I'll have a website real soon and it'll be great. So it's like do you an want, ultimate do you want to be on it? Introduction. Yeah, you know, really like really like I'm really sorry to bother you. I'm just really sorry that um nothing at all. Yeah. I've got no proof that I'm actually yeah, yeah, doing yeah, this yeah. except, you know what I mean? Could you take, speaks to me at work. Could you take time out of your busy schedule to make me feel better about my life? I would exactly. really appreciate... I'm, you know, I need this. You don't understand. I, I need I, this right now. I'm, exactly. I'm not joking, but there's an eight-week waiting list. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. Um. So, <laughs> so anyway, so I emailed people, and when I first did it, I decided to do a fixed format of questions because I honestly didn't think anyone would reply. So I, I kind of emailed, I, I, I did my research and I spent time finding out a big old shortlist of artists that I was interested in talking to. And I sent them initial contact email saying, hey, I'm going to be doing a thing, I promise. Like, so would you be, would it be okay if I emailed you again? Is this okay? Is this fine? And people said, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, just all right, get in touch. So I'd send them through this, like, this, uh, pre-formatted word document boop here you go and i just didn't expect anything to happen at all after that and then strangely these people were replying and they were giving me the time and so i i i uh, I continued to do that for a number of months and now uh, earlier in this year i've changed it to a conversational format where I in, I send them a couple of questions based on what they say, then I'll send them some questions based on that, right? So I've moved away from the, the fixed format because now I understand that people will actually talk to me, you know? Yeah. Um, but that was the, the real initial stumbling block for me on doing it was, would anyone actually even speak to me? And for the most part, the only thing that I need to have from my side of things is a lot of patience because they have busy schedules and, you know... I'm asking quite a lot for not a lot on their part. If especially if you're a busy artist, if you're like fully booked, you've got a load yeah. to work on. 
you know, and then you're having to like take time to like get our assets together and answer a bunch of questions. And you might not be used to being asked these kinds of questions. And now you're having to answer all these different random questions that I fire out someone and then provide me with all these uh, uh, pieces of artwork and sketches and behind the scenes stuff. And you might not be able to fit into your schedule. So quite often, the interviews take months and months and months to come together. Like some of them, I've contacted them like June last year, like when I didn't have a website and we're still talking about it now. Like this is like, you know, a, like nearly a year later. Some, it's like two weeks and they're done, but that's unusual. Generally speaking, it's a number of months and that's fine. It just means that I have to be quite proactive in terms of who I'm contacting and, and stuff along those lines. Do you um do you ever have to battle against kind of like saying I'm not going to contact this person because I don't think I'm big enough kind of thing or have you found that the board the community so far the art community has been fairly friendly and open to having kind of conversations you know regardless of who they are in your eyes Yeah I think mainly it's not necessarily about the size of the individual in terms of will I contact them or not. I'll contact anyone I think makes good illustration and good artwork because I want to talk to them so if I don't message them I'll never hear anything. They're not going to contact me in all honesty so like it's one of those things that I have to I have to approach them whether or not I'll hear anything back from them. I never have any expectation. Um, I, anyone I email, my initial thought is that I won't hear back. So when I do hear back, even then I think, well, it'll probably not even turn into an interview just because these things, like I say, they, they go on for months and months and months. So yeah. there's, there's no one, there's no one in the community where I've thought, Oh, I can't email them because they're too big. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I just understand that they'll probably be too busy because they have so much work on. So I, I don't expect to get an interview out of it, but I certainly would always approach them because they can only say no. Like, you know, they can always go a polite email saying, sorry, I'm a really bit busy at the moment. And it's actually been remarkably few people who've actually said they won't do it. I think I could count it on one hand out of like a couple of hundred people I've contacted um, yeah. you know, they're probably more polite though. They'll say, yeah, I'll do it. And then just never talk to me ever again. Um, uh, which is, which is, you know, which is a different way of going about it. But most of them are very open to it. Surprisingly, right from the start, I was amazed by how supportive and friendly the community are. And I think it's partly because it is quite a small community and, no one wants to be the one known as being the jerk. I think everyone's probably quite aware that it's a small pool of people who are actively talking about these things. And we're all passionate about it. And, yeah. we're, and we're all coming at it from a positive space. So if you can spare the time, be nice about it. Do you still have a kind of a, a hit list of people that you would love to kind of get around and have a chat? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've contacted them. It's just whether or not anything will come of it. There's people I badger, and also I, I generally don't like to name them <laughs> because I've been bothering them over the course of quite a few months. It's quite a dull way of answering the question, but you know no, when it's not. You it's know not. when there's someone because I'm the same. I'm you know exactly when, the same. You know when yeah. there's someone you've like emailed and you've said I'd really like to interview, and they've gone, oh yeah, well, I'm a bit busy at the moment or whatever, and then you contact them again, and they're like, oh yeah, I'll do it, and some even we've started an interview, and then it's fizzled, and then I'll contact them again. 
and say, oh, yeah, looking to continue it. And they're like, oh, yeah. And then nothing. And then again, nothing. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, am I, and do I feel like I start questioning how do they view me? Like, what is, what, how do they view this interaction? Like, for me, I'm like, I'm just trying to tell your story because I'm really enthusiastic about what you do. But then it's like the fourth email and it hasn't progressed. And their, their communication from their side of things is still seemingly positive, but we haven't moved any further forward. So I'm like, how how many times can I say, let's do this with them going, yeah, but not now? Yeah. Before you kind of go, I'll leave it. And certainly with some people, in my mind, I'm like, I just got to draw a line under that. It's not going to happen. And that's okay. That You know, they, they are an incredible artist in the community, but... It's okay that you can't interview everyone. Uh, everyone's got their priorities. Not everyone wants to be interviewed, and why would they? Some, yeah, it's a bit. I guess it is kind of like it's really strange because the art. I guess the it's like the art side of things. There's, I mean, I've mentioned Quanchai because like, you know I know him, but mm. Beth Beth Sabel's obviously yeah 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 um, incredible know, incredible artist incredible artist mm. you know. Um, but you don't see them. They're not. They're not at the public side of things. Not at all. In terms of the Kickstarter kind of things, I mean, I nope. could, you know, I could say, okay, there's, um, <clears throat> for instance, like say, John Gilmore. You know, I could say, right, mm-hmm. he's the forefront. He's done all these games. He's done Dinosaur Island. You know, um, Quanchai did the art for Dinosaur Island. Certainly but did. I remember a lot of the chat that we had. Um, wasn't kind of it was more involved around their input. They're very, you know artists are still quite kind of, I guess private. I think as well though because art is so subjective. I think it's difficult when you have game mechanics. You can confidently talk about how they work, but when you're talking about describing something that's a personal creative process, sometimes it's harder to justify your choices. And talk about it in a way that you think is interesting and engaging for other people. You can you can break apart how a design's made and you've play tested and all that kind of stuff. But I don't often think that all artists are that comfortable talking about how they created a thing. Sometimes they just started drawing and and they and it happened. And I suppose yeah. that's not really the most interesting answer. And then I think so Beth Sobel is a brilliant example of someone I think is an incredibly talented artist, and she was one of the first people on my list. I, I own a copy of Herbaceous, for example, and her artwork on that is that could have been a, a card game that had simple dry art, but the artwork and the colors are absolutely beautiful. And when I first contacted people for my website, she was one of the first like five people I emailed. And we've never had a conversation because she herself has admitted that she's not really that comfortable being public facing, you know, and and being out in the open about those things. She's more comfortable just getting on with her work and doing her job and doing an an incredible job. And the whole side of things where you are a face in the community, she doesn't, doesn't necessarily appeal to her. And I can certainly comprehend that and understand it. No, I think, no, as I say, it's more like the, yeah, I mean, I think if you, it's kind of strange, it's like, if you are doing a Kickstarter, 
you get you roll the designer out to have kind of chats with the public facing because people want to know about the kind of the mechanics as well. Mm. And I do speak to kind of like creators about the, I guess the art side of things. Um, but it's, it's kind of like almost the case of I wouldn't expect somebody to contact me and say, "Hey, this game's coming to Kickstarter. Would you like to speak to the artist?" Because I don't think the artist would would want to talk. They say, "Well, this is me representing the game," but that's not necessarily how the game is going to play. What do you want me to talk about? Kind of thing, you it, know. I I I I I created the artwork based on a spec. I got the given feeling. A, the, yeah, exactly. The feelings or the impression or the emotions or the mechanics or sometimes stuff, sometimes know. the artist hasn't played the game they've just been contacted given a spec and they've made the art so you're like you know why did you make this art and i like well i got a list of things to do and then i got feedback and now it's done so that's you know when someone spent years developing a game and they've been very closely attached to the project for a long time and then someone gets hired in at the last minute to do the artwork there's a different level of connection to the project yeah. Sometimes there's a very organic process with how the art's created and there's a very collaborative process between the designer and the and the artist and things along those lines. But it's not often yeah. it's not often or always the case. Um one thing I it that always kind of surprised me is when I and still now, sometimes it can be incredibly difficult to like if a game's on Kickstarter, often they don't even mention who the artist is. There's just no mention of it on the page. Quite do you think that's a do you think that's a bad do you think that's bad form, especially if they're? I mean, okay. Again, you know, I keep my ear to the ground about kickstarters are you know that are coming along, and we do get contacted by people saying, you know, here, do you want to speak to the creative director, design, mm. designer, you know, etc. But do you think it's you kind of people should be? If that's not is that not devaluing the art a little bit by not mentioning who the design who the artist is? Well, the well, of the so, sometimes it's not on the box. It's it's in the it's in the last page yeah, of a rule book. Yeah. And for me personally, you know, if there are three or four people involved in the project, artist, designer, publisher, etc., whatever, be on the box. There should you know equal billing somewhere that's easy to see. You shouldn't have to buy a copy of the game, take off the wrap, get the manual out, look in the back and be like, there it is. On Board Game Geek, there's games on there. Doesn't mention who the artist is. And I have to go on some Google spree to try and even figure out who made the art for a game because no one's added it to Board Game Geek. I, I would say, I think bad form's maybe not the right way of phrasing it. But hmm. I think I think if someone's done a professional job for you, then really, it's in it's 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 you know it's 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 only right that they should be given visible thanks for the work they did, and part of that is just saying this is who did it, this is who did this art. You like this art? This is who did yeah. it, and yeah. you know that means that that other person it can lead on to other work. I I I remember when I started and found it very strange. But that's part. I don't know how that conversation works between the artist and the and the publisher or the designer or whatever. Because I know when I when I started, and I would I would look for artists on social media, and often they're not on there at all. Or if they are, they have like a hundred followers. And this is like when I'd had my account for like a month and I had like five hundred followers. And I'm like, how do I have more followers than this person who's creating all this incredible artwork? And they've got like fifty six followers, and I've got like five hundred. And I've posted like 
20 photos and they're this incredibly talented human. Like, how does that work? But I suppose, I don't know how much of it comes from their side of things and how much of it comes from the other. Is it not a bit a case of kind of singing your own praises? Yeah, Which I mean... It can sometimes be a little bit of a difficult thing to do, to go out there and say, I am fantastic. Mm-hmm. Come and utilise my services, basically. Completely. A lot of people aren't comfortable self-promoting, and I get that, yeah. because, like you, you've you said yourself, you have periods of self-doubt. Yeah, and, absolutely. And you might have been happy with what you did, but there's a hesitance between being happy with what you did and then telling the whole internet you were happy with what you did and then just like just cowering and waiting for a reaction you know <laughs> and often no reactions as bad as a bad reaction because you've done this it's, incredible piece of work and no one cares it's kind of sitting there knowing that there's you know four thousand people on twitter that can see everything that you're writing there and sometimes you're just like screaming at them going why mm. You know, it's just, I think I think you're likely to go through that because a lot of people you can have there's a there's a point of self confidence can kind of take you so far, and then there's a point you're mixing self confidence with continued effort and continued work. Of course, but there's still kind of dodges. There's still kind of bits where I'm, I'm like I'm listening to I listen to other shows and I listen to other podcasts and I'm going well they're doing this bit and they're doing that bit and I'm not going to copy it I'm just going to continue doing my stuff and then mm. I say but I don't get it <laughs> I'm struggling here because there are other podcasts that have design I've listened to the ones that have other designers and other developers on and there's part of me that's going well when are the wheels of the bus going to fall off of this one because I'm just like going eh, I don't know so it is a bit yeah so I can understand that if yeah, it's kind of like the fine line between, I guess, going about saying... Because, it's, as you said earlier, it's subje- it's very kind of um, subjective. So you could go, look at this, this is my amazing new piece of art, and somebody could go, So an, it's all right, a, a, Example I would get give of someone in the industry who's divisive is Clemens Franz, and he's done a lot of board game art. Agricola, La Havre, um, things, things like Caverna, Orleans... Grand Austria, Grand Austria Hotel, Isle of Skye. Oh my good, stuff like that. Anyway, I, I have no problems whatsoever with his artwork, but some people do. And there's a, there's a, I think there's a, there's a school of art in the board game community that is more established and has been around a longer amount of time. And then there's like this new wave of people like Quan Chai uh, doing things that are substantially different. Yeah. And that's, that's my personal taste. So my website is based on my personal taste, and I would never say it wasn't. It's, um, you know, there are people that contact me, and I think, well, it doesn't necessarily 100% take my fancy, but I can see what they're doing, and I can appreciate it. Um, But there's always going to be an element of, these are the things that visually appeal to me, so these are the reasons why. Because I'm the one that's spending countless hours finding these games to interview these people, and it's because there's something there that I like. So I'm curious about it. But that's not to say I would ever profess that my website is, you know, the the, the absolute... You know, this is this is the place you go if you want to see good art. This is just my personal perspective on what good art is. And so there's a lot of art in the community that gets created and it has an audience. But it's not for everyone. And I think that's the difficulty with something uh, that's visibly 
you can immediately make a judgment on it. Unlike a game, you've got to play it. And Mm -hmm. how many people did you play it with? And were you in the right mood? And, you know, like, did you learn the rules properly? What what was the group like? But art, you'll just have an opinion straight off the bat. I mean, um, who's... Who is floating your boat at the moment? I'll tell you who's floating my boat, and then you can tell me who's floating your boat. Because I then. played it last week, and it reminded me again how much I absolutely love the art, and it's the it's the Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that does have great art, and I have contacted the artist. That was a long time ago. That I, that's another example of someone I contacted. Probably about July last year. Um, but it's Fernan- not. Is it Fernanda Suarez? Suarez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not. It's not come about yet. But I, it's one of those ones that I believe that it might happen. It just hasn't. Um, but yeah, she's very talented. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. People that I mean, Vincent Dutre, great artist. Uh, he's got like um, a particular style and look with his games. But I think uh, I've backed a couple of Kickstarter games um, this year. Like one museum. He did the artwork for Museum. Uh, yeah. Detective City of Angels. He did the artwork for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ryan Laucat, I've always got time for Ryan Laucat's kind of like whimsical, kind of rose tinted, kind of makes me nostalgic the way he, his art is for like stories that I would enjoy when I was a child. Um, which is not to say his artwork is childish. It's just, it, it's kind of like a more innocent time kind of art. I think it's, mm-hmm. it appeals to all ages. So he's mm-hmm. someone that I have been talking to and we're like in the midst of an interview at the moment, but obviously he's clearly a guy that's going to be busy. He's, he does everything, um, <laughs> you know? So, and then there's, the, I mean, there's, there's the thing is, is there's, there's loads of artists that I, that I like to look up, but whether or not they do more than one board game is, is often the case. One thing I've tried to do with my website is I've tried to, when there's a new artist, I've tried to, make a point of interviewing them because otherwise we never might hear about them ever again. If someone's been working in the industry 20 years, chances are you become familiar with them because of an industry standing. But if someone does one game and they absolutely knock it out of the park, but then that's the only one they're ever going to do unless people learn who they are and maybe they get another job in the industry, then that is someone worth talking to. I know from a personal perspective that I probably won't get as many views in regards to it because no one knows who they are and it doesn't have that same kind of draw. Like if you interview someone like Quan Chai, people are like, oh yeah, I've seen, I own quite a few yeah. of his games. I know who that is. Really interesting, exciting. You interview someone like Katie O'Neill, who I interviewed recently, who is a, like a she did a webcomic and then she's she's got a game called the Tea Dragon Society coming out. But I saw that and I thought, that's totally different from anything else that I really see. And that that appealed to me and I liked her art style. Uh, and someone like Nick Nazaro, he did the art of a Dragoon and, he, and, and, and Human Era, another game he's done. But when you've only got like one game, two games to your name, people probably won't know who they are. But... So I know people. not many people will necessarily read that compared to if I did an interview with someone who'd been in the industry for a long time, but that's not the purpose of the website. Yeah. Do you care? And, I mean, and that's what I mean by that is, like, I will get, I'll get email, I'll get emails from people mm. coming on who's saying, this is my first Kickstarter. Mm. I'm looking to get some help and exposure on it. Sure. And I'll get them on. 
Are you kind of like the same attitude, which is like, I like you because I like your art, therefore let's yeah. have a chat. Yeah. So basically, if someone contacts me and I like what they do, yeah, I will, I will, I will do what I can to make it work. Um, because why else do it? Like, if you, if you claim that you are doing something because that you have a genuine passion for it, but you'll only speak to people that elevate your own position, like that's not really a good a good place to be. I think anyone who does a podcast or has a website or anything like that can get a little bit caught up in the numbers game. That's inevitable to an extent, but I think you have to have some sort of enthusiasm for the project itself. And you have to separate numbers from that. Otherwise, what's the what's the point and purpose? Uh, so I there's yeah, like, you know, people contact me and there's there's gonna be some interviews coming up uh, over the next couple of weeks that are people and it's their first project. And they've done the artwork themselves. And so it's not classically speaking what I would go for. But yeah. I appreciate what they've done and the amount of time and effort they've put into it and the look that they've achieved is good based on, you know, based on the the resources they had available to them, which is themselves. And I can certainly appreciate that. And I will always have time for anyone who's doing a new thing and they're incredibly driven and passionate about something because there's no point gatekeeping in terms of who you'll speak to because you'll limit yourself from a whole variety of interesting stories that you could have, you know, got to experience and listen to. Much like, you know, you're talking to all these new people that have never worked in the industry before. Well, where have they come from? What's what's their story? That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. Is It's like, there's no, I mean, I don't know. It's like, look at it this way. I love having certain people coming back on the show. Of course. You know, um, I'm going to be speaking to Sean Epperson from Thing 12 Games. He's mm. been on the show before. Mm. Um, we don't like each other because he keeps beating me at Star Realms. But however, he's really, really funny to get on. Mm. But there's also the guy that... There's like the guys like, say, um, Runaway Games, Gwen and Sam, that were on for Fire Tower, yeah? Okay. And we had such a laugh just because there's that kind of half hour bit where everybody forgets you're actually recording a podcast. <laughs> you're, and you're just, just like, away, sitting yeah, around yeah. and having a chat. Yeah. And then at the end you go... Oh, we're supposed to be better stop kind of recording now because that's yeah that's, that's the kind of the time finish that's yeah, your kind yeah. of your whatever time it is up. So, yeah, everybody's I guess I'm kind of like really nosy as a person, and that's that's a hundred percent me. Like when I started my website, I mean I might be sleeping with someone who creates art, but I don't create art, so that's not normally how you gain proficiency in anything. Um, yeah. So, you know, I never started it professing like, I'm the guy. I never studied art. I don't have a background in art. I I think I have an eye for things that look good. I've got some modicum of taste, but I wouldn't be like, come talk to me. I'll tell you all about it. I'm the guy. You know, I'll tell you about, oh, yeah, this person's using acrylics. This is watercolor. Oh, I like the, you know, the tones in this particular thing. I see that with my eyes. I don't have the vocabulary to support that. So I started because <laughs> I'm nosy. And, and I I couldn't find any information about these people. And I'm like, yeah. some of the interviews that I've had have been puff pieces and quite light and you don't really get a lot of it. But some of them have really touched on things that I think are actually genuinely interesting and people wouldn't know. Like 
Jesse Gillespie, who I interviewed, my most recent interview on my website at the moment, he talks about when he was working on Hand of Fate, the, the second computer game, the video game, that he was going through an awful divorce and he wasn't coping and he was really suffering from anxiety and depression and he nearly lost his job several times because he couldn't work. And I think anyone who's been in a position where their mental health or their life circumstances dictate that they're struggling to do what they need to do would really kind of feel some connection with that. And that is... How would you know that without being nosy? How would you know that? No way of knowing that. Yeah, I'm really. I just it's just interested in finding the people behind the the product, and that's one of my that's one of my only concerns for the industry going forward is that we'll end up in the situation where um, someone like Jamie Stegmaier will be sitting in front of me, and there'll be somebody or PR guy. An email, there'll be an email sent out before saying, okay. If we're recording this podcast, you can answer. You can ask the following questions, but you can't ask these. They won't ask. They won't answer any questions about this. You're not allowed to talk about this before this particular date. Mm. You're not allowed to release this podcast until this particular date. And that's my fear: as we seem to be going from a group of people running together to a group of people flying together to then all everybody sitting in a great corporate kind of jet plane together well, and I'm I mean, wondering when the there's, cer- the there's certainly um, step in. Mo- I mean money changes things and one of the reasons why the industry is how it is at the moment is because there's so many people involved in it in some way where money's just not involved so it's driven yeah. by enthusiasm and passion you know I like <clears throat> I'm lucky enough that my website is now funded through Patreon, and that's what yep. ke- that's what keeps it online. I don't Same make here. I don't yep. make any money out of my Patreon. However, my website is is funded by Patreon. But certainly for the first before I created the Patreon in January, I just paid for it, and it, that was just I just I wanted to do a thing, and so I did it, and I, and I was like, I'm just happy to. It's just nice to do it. It's just a nice thing to do, and I think there's a lot of people in the industry that are still like that. But then you've got companies like Asmodi who are large corporate money makers you know and they're they're owned by a venture capitalist firm and they've swallowed up lots of little assets and now it's looking like they're gonna be selling that i don't know if you've been reading about it in the news but it's like they valued themselves at 1.5 billion dollars and they're looking for a buyer it seems like to sell that and when there's those kind of acquisitions like that that can change that can change yeah it becomes margin it becomes money it becomes cost cutting and it becomes kind of kind of really really kind of really really scary i still or different you know i still think there'll be people like us in the industry and i still think the designers and the the people who create the games will still want to talk about them i think there'll be more of a marketing arm involved but i don't think you'll necessarily see that they'll just be a lot slicker in how they get the word out Yeah. yeah there'll be more paid content I think that's inevitable, it seems like. And I've spoken to people about it when they're doing... It's kind of one of those things that people don't talk about it too much um, because of it can be frowned upon. But if there's something going to Kickstarter, there's an element of paid content along with, you know, just getting the, con- the, the people who you value their opinions to have a look at it because you've, you, this is your living. So you've got you've to make the most of the tools available to you. 
Um, but you know, I think when there's when there's larger corporations and larger budgets involved, that's probably a little <coughs> bit more likely because yeah. you need that guarantee that you're going to hit the numbers you're going to hit. Have you been surprised by the amount of interest in the blog since you started it? Because you seem to be one of these people that's kind of climbing the ranks like the most ornate, golden, uplifting, kind of creationary butterfly <laughs> going from flower to flower and with every sip of nectar you become stronger and more vibrant. I'm just waiting to the point where I can just be a real arsehole to everyone and no one will be able to do anything about it because I'll be so po- <laughs> be so popular they'll just have to soak like, it up. Just I've got to stop it up. until I get the Channel 5 chat show. Well, <laughs> dream big. If you're gonna, I would say if you're going to dream big, you know, you re- Channel 5's as big as it gets. So. I, think, I don't think there's anything better right after Celebrity Car Write-Off. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you got you got the kind of dreams that I can't even fathom. I'm just, you know what I mean? I'm just looking up at, I'm trying to aim for the moon. And then, you know, if I jump off and fall, then be one less annoying person on yeah. the planet. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Have I been surprised? Yes and no. I think... Um, I think the people I'm interviewing, people don't come to the website because of me. They come to the website because of the people I'm interviewing. So my job, I suppose you would say, is to make sure that people now I've spoken to this interesting person. Hey, come and like, unlike this, where you're a large, you're a large portion of this podcast. So other people, you've got a lovely voice to listen to. And, you know, you're, you're a passable human being. So people might check back in, you know. Mm-hmm. However, with my... With my interviews, you know, like I'm like I'm just basically stringing the interviews together, asking questions, and and stuff goes on behind the scenes. I do follow up and stuff like that, and I curate the content. So there's that. But I honestly think there's something to be learned from the people I interview. So part of me is surprised that anyone. It's a website I've made, and I made it June last year, so it's not even a year old yet, and a lot of people have visited it. So yeah, a little bit surprised by that, but. And I'm talking to people who are established in the industry or genuinely talented human beings. And I feel like, well, of course, people want to find out more about them because where else are you going to read about it? So exactly. a bit, yeah. a, a bit, yes, a bit. No. In terms of like social media and stuff like that, I think that's just like a war of attrition. If you're just around enough, just all up in people's faces all the time, then you'll you'll become more known. I try and... All of all of the contact I have with people online, I like to think, and they may disagree, I like to think I'm not any different on the internet than I am in person. Some people have an online persona, um, but I'm just, I'm the same level of dickhead on and off the internet. If you are talking to me in I person... I don't or... believe that for an actual second, to be perfectly honest with you. I mm-hmm. think it's, um, if you're going to be that horrible, it's something that you have to do kind of on the sly. And announcing it just shows that you're actually a decent human being. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I'm just I'm just calling you out on that, Ross. Okay. Um, to be perfectly honest. Fine. Um, if people want to keep an eye on you, on where you are, on the internet webs, where can we find you, Mr. Connell? Sure. Well, you can first off go to www.moregamesplease.com. Um, 
check out the archive. There's a little on the sub menu. Go to the archive. It'll show you all of the interviews that I've had uh, so far. We're up to 38 interviews deep. Certainly does not compare to your output, uh, but that's where I'm at. Um, you can also <laughs> it's just a little side swipe there you had this conversation what? like before the podcast about what? how many podcasts we've done I didn't expect you to kind of like oh just you know it's been a nice conversation and then just stab you go. <laughs> I mean you gotta you gotta get the stabs in where you can yeah, I suppose you can how are you gonna get to the top if you don't stab a few people on the way uh, you do it through hard work and determination and not using blade <laughs> shaped weapons well, I mean we all have our we all have our tactics um, I suppose also, um, I'm on the Instagrams, so yes. that is just more games, please. But on Instagram, I'm on Twitter. I'm on the on the twits, uh, and that is more games plus. Don't have any vowels in the please. It's just P L S. Okay. That's about it, really. Um, I'm pretty active across all of it because when you reach this level of addiction in a hobby, you 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 get involved any way you can, and you. You're always itching away to like find out more about things, and much like you, I'm nosy, so I like to know what people are up to. Absolutely. And if you want to find out what we're up to, then you can go to the internet webs as well, and you'll find us on Twitter at We're Not Wizards, on Facebook at We're Not Wizards, we are on YouTube at face uh, YouTube.com forward slash c forward slash We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast. You can find us on our website, which is we'renotwizards.com. You can find us on our blog. Don't, just don't go there. It's we're not, <laughs> it's we're not wizards.blogspot.com. And we've got, we're going to have content and it's going to be awful. Can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be my standard of content, which means it's going to be written 10 minutes before it's actually due, which I is mean, always the best way to write content. I like to think um, I'm self-deprecating, but you've got a real knack for it. No, I tell blog. you, it's, you know, I mean, it's kind of the type of thing. I've got, my blog has to have bones tied around it so the dogs will play with it. Um, <laughs> if you want to find us on your podcatcher place of choice, then go, uh, you know, you've got Stitcher and Speaker and Acast and Player FM and Mixcloud and all these wonderful places that support podcasts. We're also on Spotify as well. Um, I don't think anybody actually listens through Spotify. All these weeks of worrying about getting on Spotify and checking no. stats on Spotify, and it's I, like how many people have even gone near the podcast I think Spotify it's quite now. hard to use to find podcasts. I think it's, yeah, it's really weird, but, you know, it's just... I certainly have. I mean, I, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I can't wait till all these podcasts come on Spotify. No, no I haven't used it. I haven't used it. <laughs> It's like one of these features that everyone's going, and use our podcast host and we can automatically put you on Spotify. And I'm like going, that's not a selling point. Nope. It's not working for me. Nobody likes us. Um, but <laughs> you can also see us on Apple Podcasts as well. If you like what you've listened to this evening. Um, and God bless you. Thank you very much. But if you like us very, very much, then please drop us a subscription because that really helps grow the show and puts us in places where people see us. If you like us even more, consider dropping us a rating or a review. And remember, do not give us ten stars because that makes us big-headed. But do not give us one because that makes us cry. Give us five because it is in the middle. It is average. And we are decidedly average. Um... But the person who's not been average today, tonight, or this morning, is a rather wonderful, the rather magnificent, the rather joyous person to have on the show, actually. This has been absolutely fascinating and interesting, and I'm so glad that you've 
agreed to come on. It is the one, the only, Mr. Ross Conan. <sighs> yeah, that's my attempt at crowd cheer. Thanks very much. It worked really well. Yeah, well, you know, it's, that's one of my many talents. There's only um, two more things to do. What's that? The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Ross? No, we are certainly not. Absolutely. We are not. We are content creators helping you appreciate the hobby that you love and know so well. And the second thing is go and do it, Ross. I, well, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I don't know what... Do I have the to... Bit, the bit that we... The oh, bit that, that bit. Do. Okay, all right, all right, all right. All right. Right. <sighs> right. <clears throat> right, ready? Uh-oh. Right, okay, I'm ready. You ready? Mm-hmm. Please, sir, can I have some more? 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 You're not getting any more games, Oliver Twist. That, that's uh, that's nice, it. I guess still, that's that's still, it. Still rubbish. Yeah, and <laughs> and um, and on a real on a real flat note. I, basically, I think it, we did well at the beginning, and it kind of tapered off in the middle, and we've ended up on a just crashing and burning like a Spitfire. That's what happens uh, when you drink a pint of chocolate milk. <laughs> the sugar the sugar wears off. So glad you survived. Um, <laughs> so say goodbye, Ross. <laughs> okay, goodbye, everyone. And it's a goodbye for me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes. And um, while you're rolling sixes, don't just think about the mechanics and your meeples and where you're placing your resources, but think about the lovely art that's taking place on there as well. And if you want to read about the people behind the art, then please check out more games, please. Please do. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.